This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Hey guys, so good to be back. I'm here with my friend Nicole. Hey Nicole. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good, thanks. Um, you know, we are just talking before we started recording about the people who listen, and you know, we hear about all of the overwhelming and horrific statistics of overdoses and poor success rates, et cetera, et cetera. But in the midst of that, there's so many people who have a real relationship with Jesus and who are getting set free and that there is a way out of this. And I know that compelling data, even negative data still, you know, helps drive people to understand we've got to do something about this epidemic. We have to do something about these alarming overdose rates. And we do, but we also celebrate the lives that have been transformed to remind us why we do what we do. And in the midst of, you know, what oftentimes is so many crises that that happen around substance use disorder treatment and, you know, running from, you know, whether it's intervention to, you know, somebody that is contemplating relapse or has relapsed or whatever. I mean, that can get, that can take a lot of the responses that we really have to be very intentional about sitting down like we're doing today and to talk about stories of redemption and triumph and overcoming addiction. And so, Nicole, I know that um, you don't present as if you've ever had a rough past. I know that people can't see you on this podcast, but there's no sign that um, you lived a life that would have ever brought you to uh, the doors of a treatment center. But you are obviously here for a reason. You have a story, and we would love to hear your story. So, um, yeah, um, I was a pretty good kid. Um, I loved school. That was probably my most favorite thing to do. I didn't want to stay home. Um, even when I was sick, I would go to school. That was That's what I was passionate about. Um, I, however, did not finish. I dropped out just because I went to many schools. Um, I think that I was confident enough to go ahead and get my GD and continue on to college. I ended up getting a job when I dropped out of um, high school, and I met some older folks. I just remember them telling me that they had something to help me with my energy, I was feeling tired, and they said they had something for me that would help. So, of course, you know, I've, I've dabbled with things. I've, I've tried Coke, and, and I've smoked pot, and I didn't really have any real problems with those things. Um, however, um, they introduced methamphetamines to me. Um, I can't describe how much I loved it. Um, it took over, like... And, and the fact of the matter is, is that the person actually admitted later that he hooked me on purpose so I'd keep coming back. And so I didn't even have to pay for it. He just, I would show up and he would just keep giving it to me. Um, and so there, there I was. Um, I was enrolled in one of the, you know, the best colleges in the area. Um, and I'm strung out on dope right before I start. Um, I did try to do both. Um, and that didn't work. Um, I stayed up for many days. I didn't eat. I didn't drink water. Um, it got to a point where I couldn't go to work because I couldn't stand up because my legs just completely stopped working Mm. because I was that malnourished. 
As a matter of fact, my parents were moving to Georgia. We were staying in Indiana at the time, and they packed up the entire van. We were all supposed to go together. And I decided that um, I was going to go get high instead. And they started looking for me, and they put a missing person to warrant out for my arrest. And I found out about it, and I called the cops and told them that they are not to know where I was at. And they had to move to Georgia without their daughter. I was probably about 19 at the time. I had already dropped out of college because I felt like there was no hope to fix my grades. Um, and so there I was at this older gentleman's house who was feeding me dope. Um, and I was high. I was numb. I felt like a robot. I didn't know what to do. I was unhappy. I mean, I, I was sad. And I talked to my mother, and she asked me to come home, um, which was now Georgia. However... When I got there, my family was very um, hurt. Um, they were very hurt that they, they didn't know where I was and that I chose the drugs over them. Um, and so we didn't get along very well. Um, as a matter of fact, I worked two jobs to avoid going home. Um, I worked 66 hours a week. I was in a state where I knew nobody. Um, so I would meet random people and... A lot of things happened in that time. Um, I was drugged, I was raped, I was robbed um, many times. And I couldn't tell my family because I was an addict. They didn't believe a word I said. Um, it really messed me up in the head. Um, I was only 19. So I lasted in Georgia for about 10 months and um, I called one of my buddies that I knew back in Indiana, and um, he came and got me. And I went right back to it. I went right back to the drugs and the people I knew. Um, and I stayed there for a good two years, trying to maintain a normal life, but still being an addict, still being a meth head, still doing it on a daily basis. Um, I did that for about two years. And you know, after two years, I realized there was nothing there for me. And I was ready to go back home to my parents again. Um, so I came back, but, um, you know, everything was good. I was sober, I was working, and, of course, I meet somebody, and they said, what do you like to do? And I was honest, and I said, I like to do meth. And then here we go again. I've found meth now in Georgia. And, you know, and I always thought that, well, all you got to do is move away um, and to get a fresh start, but that's not true if you come along with, you know, you can always find it no matter where you're at. And so I got started again. I got strung out. I met some people. I was in and out of my parents' house. Um, I woke up in the hospital one time, hooked up to every machine known to man because I had taken something called GHB and Passed out in the bathroom. Um, I mean, I was just, I would put up with anything. Um, the guy I was seeing, I think, was um, getting paid with dope to have sex with other people. And I didn't care, even though he was my boyfriend, I did not care. Like, my morals just weren't there. I did not care what happened to me. I didn't care how my parents felt. I didn't care that I never saw my sisters. Um, I didn't care about anything. I did um, run into some trouble. I almost died in a car accident. 
but I left without a scratch. I mean, the car was totaled, but I was fine. And then a room, a hotel room got raided and we had lots of drugs on us and we managed to get out of that. And then the boyfriend finally got caught and went to jail. And this is a matter of three days. And I thought to myself, this is God telling me that it's time to do something before you end up in prison or dead. And um, so I did. I, I put myself in rehab. Um, I was there for six months. And, you know, I went home with my family and um, I don't know, something was going on. And my mom said she was going to have a beer. And I thought that it wasn't a big deal, so let's drink. Well, I ended up getting kicked out of that rehab facility. And that's kind of where the drinking started. And then the drinking led back to the methamphetamines. And here we go again. Um, I was hurt still. I had uh, put a wall up and I thought that since I've been used and abused by so many that I, that's exactly what I was going to do to everybody else. Um, and I did that for a couple years. I, I had people in my life that served a purpose. I called them my, you know, minions or whatever, but they weren't friends. They were just people I used. Um, you know, I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have any relationships. I didn't have a relationship with my family. Um, eventually I got really lonely and sad and I realized that I didn't want to do this anymore. And the one thing I hadn't tried was being with a normal human being, trying to be in a relationship with, um, somebody who is sober that didn't do drugs that could show me the way because my parents were unable to help me any further. And I knew nobody that could help me. And I did. I met my fiance and he helped me get off the drugs, um, but he couldn't help the damage that I had inside. He couldn't help me feel good about myself. Um, I was still sad, and, and you know, instead of doing the drugs, I started drinking. And I thought it was, I thought it was okay. It's legal. I'm not going to go to you know prison for it, you know. Um, but I was wrong. <laughs> I got multiple DUIs. I didn't just get one, I got two, um, and that was not fun. It cost so much money, and he threatened to leave me because I couldn't stay out of trouble. Um, so once I was done with all that, I still was drinking. I refused to go get my license back because I was too busy drinking, and I was afraid I was going to get another DUI. Um, <laughs> I mean, so I refused to move on because I wanted to continue to drink. And um, anyway, my behavior started to get worse. Um, I became violent. I would wake up in the morning and my house would be completely destroyed. My windows in my house would be broken. Everything in the cabinets would be broken. Everything would be shattered and I'd wake up and I would be... I was so upset because I knew I was responsible. And I don't even remember why. I didn't know, I, I didn't know why I did the things that I did. I didn't know why I was so angry. I didn't know why I was so sad. Um, I didn't see the answer. I continued to drink and continued to drink and it didn't get any better, it got worse. It got worse. That got to a point that I didn't care whether I lived or died. Like, I, <laughs> I thought about killing myself all the time. I just didn't see 
I didn't see life as happy or life as good or a future for myself. I, I did not feel like I was a good person. I didn't feel like I had any hope. Um, and I knew that if I continued to drink that I was going to die. I was going to kill myself or I was going to hurt somebody else. And so I actually <laughs> was sick of myself and I didn't have the answers anymore. And I was tired of apologizing and that's when I decided that I needed help. Um, and so I looked and I looked for rehabs. Um, I actually didn't have any success. Um, I finally went to detox and I just told my fiance, I was like, if you don't find a place by the time I get out, I'm coming home. And um, that's when he heard about Good Landing on the radio and he found this place for me and it, I couldn't be in a better place. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know what a relationship with God was. I believed in him, but I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to get to know him. And I knew I needed something more because I couldn't make myself happy. Nobody could make me happy. And I mean, when I got here and found out that this was a faith-based program, I mean, I knew I was in the right place. I knew that I needed Jesus in my life. I knew that he was the only one that could help me. And so I did. I got on my knees and prayed every single night. I just asked him to give me a sign, show me he was real. I wanted what everybody else had. I wanted the joy. I wanted the happiness. I wanted that relationship. I wanted to know that it was okay, that everything was going to be okay. And the more I prayed and the more I read, the more I heard his voice. He spoke to me. And that's where it began. I mean, that's when things started to change for me. Um, I was more, you know, I just was, I would give it to God. If I had any worries, I would tell him about it. I would let him have it. I'm going to let you handle it, God. And that helped me so much to know that even if nobody else could help me, I knew that he loved me and he's got it all figured out for me and that I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry anymore. And that made it so much easier to think of life beyond rehab, sober. I've had an opportunity to live sober for longer than I ever have my entire adult life. And I've had an opportunity to find out that, you know, I actually enjoy myself. I like myself. I'm learning to love myself. Um, and, and that's something I don't know that I ever had. And it's an amazing thing. And, and I didn't know that, you know, he was there the whole time. I just didn't know how to reach him. Such a powerful story. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, about a girl that was an overachiever, um, you know, very high-level person, gets addicted to drugs, brought into that world, and the damage that... Satan was able to do so quickly to change like how you saw yourself, how you saw the world, that you would live in bondage for years. And then finally, God would break in and his love is enough. I mean, it really is. And just to see you now, you know, walking through this, um, to see you helping other women, you know, so quickly, you know, you didn't have to, you know, go off to school and get 
you know, advanced degrees in the, in the area of, you know, clinical work, but you were able to, you know, really almost immediately turn everything that you've been through into something to be able to, to, to help people be able to walk out of this, this same hell that you walked out of. So talk to me a little bit too about early on. I mean, did you ever see tendencies? Did you ever see, you know, anything, you know, in your, you know, more formative adolescent years that you thought, looking back now, were signposts that 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 you may walk through the season of of addiction or spend so many years in active addiction? Honestly, I would have never guessed this for myself. Um, I thought, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just was wanted to be the very best at everything. Um, I think it actually hurt more to know that I turned out to be an addict versus um, getting a college degree because I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. You know, and, and I know how smart I am. And that used to make me feel so good to get those good grades, to come home and say, huh, I made honors, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I'm, I, I liked being the overachiever. Mm-hmm. I, I never once thought I was going to be one of those people that you see on, in the newspaper or, you know, it just it never occurred to me that I would grow up and introduce myself as a meth head. Yeah you know, or an addict. And, um, that's what I did for many years. Um, and, and I know that now I don't have to live as that person that I, I have my whole life ahead of me and I can be whoever I want to be. I just got to put one foot in front of the other and just have faith that God's got me and he will show me the way. Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 35. 35. Yep. So I think I graduated from college at 35, I think, 35 or 36. And, you know, I think just so much, you know, like you of, because what what it does, you know, obviously it's just, it, it just gives you such a skewed perception of life and you feel like you're second class to everybody else. But like you said, I mean, really, you know, prophesying and, and really speaking to your future right now that you really can, you know, that, yeah, broken, but repairable in the way that God works this whole thing together that you know, you look back on your life and just say, I don't know how in the world you did this, but you made it look like it was supposed to be part of the story. Mm-hmm. And, so, I do, and I do believe that. I believe that everything happens for a reason and, you know, it makes us stronger and, yeah. and, and it can be used for good. I don't think any of it, I wouldn't change any of it because, you know. What are your plans now? What are we doing? <laughs> Well, right now I'm helping out, um, you know, and I, I enjoy being around the ladies and, and helping in that way. And it, and it it's still, I still see things about myself that can change and that have been improving. And, you know, it's just, it's really been a blessing to me to be here and work with these ladies. Um, I would hope in the future that I would go out and get that degree, no matter what it is. I mean... Just anything, just some kind of accomplishment to help push my life forward, you know, yeah. and and start to build that confidence in myself again. Yeah, you know. Let's so, do it. yes, absolutely, because I know I'm very capable. Yeah. And, Talk to me uh, too about, you know, so many women probably, you know, sitting in that same seat of whether they, you know, it, it could be something as drastic as is you know, waking up to broken windows in a, in a destroyed house, 
I mean, sometimes people are just waking up and, and they're just looking at, at, at another broken relationship, you know, another, you know, I, I, I tried to attempt college, but because of my substance abuse, I'm always withdrawing or I'm always flunking out. You know, t- talk a little bit about your journey and what you think some of the essentials are. And I mean, a lot of this was already unpacked in your story, but if you could just kind of speak to, you know, some of the principles or, or some, some, some real takeaways from your life that you would want to pass on to other women who are battling the same thing that, that you had to battle. You know, um, it's, it's just never too late. You know, I, I, I remember making messes to clean the messes up. That's what I used to say. I was bored, so I'd make messes, and then I would spend my time cleaning the mess back up. And, and you know what? I always did, and I was always able to. Um, I think that the biggest thing is to continue to challenge yourself to do better. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, don't stay stuck. I mean, just keep challenging yourself to do better. Maybe if it's little by little, but, you know, don't repeat the same thing you just got done doing. And I'm not saying it's, you know, you're perfect, but you've got to change something in order to move forward, you know? And I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like, okay, well, I didn't stop. I'm going to do this. And I kept trying. I kept trying to incorporate all this stuff back in my life and keep and hold on to the things that were bringing me down. But I would still push myself to the direction that I wanted to be in. You know, I have to visualize what I wanted and then take the steps to get there, you know. And and I think that's just having goals. What is it that you want out of life? Do you want to be happy? Do you want that family? Do you want a career? Do you want to own a house? I mean, if those are the things you want, then you have to really sit down and decide what's more important in life, like what's actually helping you get there versus holding you back. Speaking my language. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I think. I I love it, you know, and it's just, it it, it really is. And I, and you know, the structure and the language that you just put with this, you know, and, and I know that, that somebody that had a real impact on me, um, you know, talked was an author that talked to Stephen Covey, I believe, that talked about beginning with the end in mind, you know, and just saying, like, what do you want said about your life? What, what do you want to accomplish in your life? And let, let's identify these goals and then say, okay, what, what are the adjustments that we need to make? And it's just powerful to watch you living this out. Um, you know, and then also, too, another you know, big takeaway, I believe, from your story is, is that you had a fiance that was willing to, to get you help mm-hmm. and, and fought for you, you know, while you're in there. And, you know, obviously God orchestrated the, you know, for him to be able to hear the, hear the ad and all that. But, um, you know, to have somebody in your corner who's saying like, hey, I'm going to walk this thing out with you, you know, even as you take a, a season to invest, you know, with probably not putting the emphasis on the relationship that probably both of y'all would like, but knowing that, hey, I'm taking a season away to build a foundation, so I'm not just a good fiancé for a weekend or two, but I'm going to be a good fiancé, good wife. Hopefully, I'm going to put pressure on y'all, but that would be, you know, you know, for forever. And it's just really cool because so many other people, I think, in in a situation like this would – you know, maybe let selfishness or whatever say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of this situation and go back. But you're really, you know, understanding again of saying, hey, I'm setting myself up for my future and I'll invest now and then I'll reap a harvest for the rest of my life, which I think is really, really cool. Absolutely. Um, 
and this is this is how I kind of view it is if I don't work on myself and get myself okay if I'm not okay we're never going to be okay and so it's worth it to take the time now to get it right yeah so then we can move on with our life yeah so so powerful Nicole thank you for taking the time to to make this investment in, of time and, and let people know your story, being vulnerable, letting people in. I know a lot of people are going to benefit as a result of this. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.